Well, from the stories that David shared and that we've heard over the, the past weeks um, as well, as we've heard from various people doing mission in various ways in, in various places, it prompts this legitimate question, doesn't it? The question that, that David has just asked is, why, why would you do that? We hear the, the stories and we think, why would you do that? Why would you, you know, thinking of someone like Diane, uh, who have not heard from this time, but as a retired woman, go and live in India for a few years to teach students? Why would you, as a young family, go and uproot your family and spend, I think they're up to six years and they're going back for more, you know, time in the Silk Road? Why would you take your, your young family and go to Cambodia? Why would you do these things? Why would you do that? Now, I can't speak for everyone or for every situation because there's, there's going to be nuance and distinction in, in each story. But I think, I think in the story of Jesus, we find a clear answer to, to, to this question. In both Matthew and Mark, we see Jesus trying to get off somewhere quietly by himself, uh, with just himself and his close friends, only to have that get thwarted consistently when crowds come and follow him. You know, in Matthew's account, he's, he's heard about Herod's beheading of John the Baptist, uh, who's, you know, his, his cousin. And we read, we read there that when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Now, this makes sense, doesn't it? He's, he's grieving. I mean, he's heard about the death of, of a family member, the death of someone who Jesus knew had helped prepare the way for him to come and so had been a part of his ministry and shared in that with him. And it was a death that was needless and vindictive. It was, it was horrible. And so Jesus wants time alone. He wants to grieve. He, he wants to process this. And so he, he takes off by boat. But hearing this, um, the crowds followed him on foot from all the towns. Now, I presume that what they heard was not about John's death and its impact on Jesus. What they heard is that Jesus, this you know, great guy who's healing people and providing meals for free and, and doing all this great stuff, that Jesus is moving. He's going off somewhere else. And it's like, we don't want to miss out on that. So they follow after him. They hear that Jesus has taken off, so they follow him. And it's not just a handful of people, but it's the crowds we read. And then here's the incredible thing. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he healed their sick. Now, I'm not sure what's gone on with the PowerPoint there. It's a bit formatted different wrong in that last sentence. But, but Jesus wanted the privacy to grieve he went off by himself, seeking a quiet place. And yet, when he was confronted by a crowd, a large crowd, he put himself aside to minister to them and to heal their sick. He wanted the time for himself, but instead he ministers to them. And you would ask then, why would he do that? Mark tells the story slightly differently. Uh, in, in chapter 6 of Mark, Jesus calls the 12 to him, you know, these, these chosen closest followers and friends of his. And he sends them out in pairs to go to the towns and the villages around to continue and to spread the work that he's been doing. And going into the villages round about, 
we read that they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And so then Mark tells the story of John's beheading. But for Mark, it's, it's kind of a, a sidebar. He, he's on this main track and he just has, here's just a little bit of information of something that's gone on at the same time before he then comes back to the main story that he was telling, which is picked up again in verse 30. And it says, the apostles gathered around you. So they've been out, driving out demons, healing the sick. They, then the apostles come back. They gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said with them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And again, this makes sense. I mean, the, the motivation now is, is not grief and, and processing that. The, the motivation now is to seek rest and refreshment, to, to take time to debrief the experience and to, to learn from it, as well as to celebrate what God had done. But it's a time of just coming apart for their own benefit and growth and gain. It would be a special, perhaps even a sacred time together. Verse 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Again, they're thwarted. Man, we just want some time by ourselves. And instead, can't the crowds come and can't they just give us just a moment's peace? Can't we just sit down and eat the food without the phone ringing, without the door knocking, without someone intruding on us? Can't, can't they just take a, a break from ministry before being hounded for, for more? But again, look at the grace in Jesus' response. When, the crowd land, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he began teaching them many things. And again, I, I don't know, I don't, it's just at the end of the paragraph, it, it's wigging out there a bit. Jesus had a different plan in mind, didn't he? He wanted to get aside and to rest and, and refresh. Time with just the 12 to continue to equip and, and encourage them and to continue their ministry, his ministry when he was gone. But instead, when he was confronted by this large crowd, he put aside his agenda and instead he further taught the masses. Now, why would he do that? Well, if you're familiar with these stories, or if you've had the chance to look them up and read along in your scriptures, you know that there's no glitch in the PowerPoint. Uh, but then instead, I've blanked out some words. And let's look at what's missing in, in these verses, because it's, it's in what those missing words that we get the answer to this question. Why would Jesus do that? See, in Matthew 14, it actually says this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And in Mark 6, it reads that when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus respond the way that he did? These verses give us one simple word in answer to that question. Compassion. 
he cared for them. He could see that they were lost and helpless, that they were weak and vulnerable. So he put himself aside. He put aside his needs, his desires, his agenda in order to minister to them in their need. He did it because he cared, because he loved. He had compassion. Now, I've grown up in the church, so I've heard plenty of sermons and calls to mission, uh, much like we have through this season of June and Mission Month. And they had their impact on me. I think, you know, they're, they're in there, they're, they're doing their thing, working quietly away. But when it really all clicked for me, when it all really sank in, was when I went on a short-term mission trip to, to China. And I remember on that trip being so impacted in, in seeing all the history and, and the culture of, of this country and being aware that so little of that history and culture had Christ in it. And I felt my heart stir in a way that I was never conscious of it doing so before. It wasn't just an interest in the history and the people and, and all of that, but it was, it was a movement of compassion for these people who don't know Jesus. And then after being in China, Marin and I were in Bendigo for some training towards adoption or, or foster care, which that's a different story, but was prompted by the compassion that, that we felt uh, in, in China. And while we were in Bendigo, we were there overnight, and so we ordered some Indian food from you know, a place there to take away and take back. Um, and Marin waited in the car then while I went in to um, collect our, our water. But I wasn't quite ready. So in the meanwhile, as I was just you know, kind of in that, that lobby area, I picked up a, a coffee table book that they had, uh, a coffee table book about India. And I distinctly remember looking at this particular picture. It was a, it was a double page spread. It might have even had a, had a fold out page. But I remember looking at this particular picture in this book. And in this picture, I was crammed full of people. And I remember feeling my heart move with compassion for them, knowing that they likely did not know Jesus. Another time I was in Sydney in the heart of the city and I was in my hotel room. I was pretty high up. I don't remember why I was there. I don't remember when I was there. I don't remember, you know, who I was there with. Uh, it's, a, it's a vivid memory, but it's really vague, if that makes sense. Um, but I was there in my room by myself at this point and, and I just looked out the window down to the streets below. And there... I saw people walking the streets. I saw the cars driving by. I saw the, the neon lights from the shops where, where people were selling themselves. And I saw the homeless tucked along the, the edges of the building walls and, and into you know, doorways and stuff. And I just felt myself overcome, overwhelmed with compassion. And I just had to pray for the lost people of Sydney. So why would Jesus do what he did? Why would David and Eliza or Kamashonda or Mass Pilots or, or anyone else we've heard about over these past weeks, why would they do what they do? I think at least a key part of the answer is compassion. They have felt the love of God for people who don't yet know him. 
and out of their own love and their own sense of care and compassion, they've put their stuff aside to act for the good of others. Matthew says it like this, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Because when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. These people, Dave and Eliza, mass pilots, you know, and um, uh, Andy and Kathy, all, all we've heard from, they've responded to their own prayers for the Lord to send workers out into the harvest. And they've responded to the compassion of Christ for the harassed and helpless, for the shepherdless people of the world. But actually, when we look at each of these passages that I've shared today, when we look more closely at them, compassion is not the full answer to the question of why they would do that. There's actually a step that comes before compassion, a step that Jesus consistently models in the stories and, and that, that we've looked at and in many others as well. And that is that Jesus saw. He saw the crowds. And actually, no, that, that would be incorrect to say, I think. He didn't see the crowds. He didn't see the crowd who was intruding on his agenda. He saw people. He saw the people themselves. He didn't see the way that they were interrupting and thwarting his plans and agenda. He didn't see the cost that he had to give out yet again. He saw the people and he saw their needs and their state and their well-being or lack of it. And the question is, what, what do we see what do we see when we walk down the street? Yeah, let's leave aside any concept of going to another country. When we walk down the street in Wodonga, in Albury, in Yakandanda, wherever we are, what do we see? What do we see? We see face tattoos. We see different skin color. We see, you know, that, that hardness of face, you know, tightness of lips that comes from having lived a hard life. We see a skinniness that comes from, you know, poor diet. We see the car in pieces in the yard and the un, unmown, mar, uh, unmown grass and the rubbish laying around. We see the dot in the middle of the forehead. We see the cigarette being smoked in the presence of a small child in, in a pram. We see the different clothes and the sense of what's fashionable and stylish and that actually this different idea of what even looks good. We see these things and we judge and we avoid, we, we distance ourselves. And really, when I say we, I mean me. For all, you know, those shiny examples that I shared earlier of my sense of compassion, 
they are unfortunately the exception rather than, than the norm. But Jesus saw and he sees these same things too. But he looks beyond them and through them to the person who is standing there. And that's where his compassion comes from because he sees the person. God tells the prophet Samuel when he's selecting David as the next king of Israel, and David looks so unimpressive, especially compared to his you know, tall, strong, bulking, you know, handsome brothers. God says to Samuel that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so behind all the different externals that we see, the externals that put us off, the externals that make us uncomfortable, the externals that, that leave us feeling out of our depths, Behind all of that, there is a person who is just like us. There's a person who has a family, a person who sometimes makes poor decisions, a person who struggles with mental health, a person who has overcome who knows how many challenges and obstacles to be standing there before you, a person who gets lonely a person who worries about providing for their children or their aging parents. They're a person who gets sick. You know, a person who is hurting from a broken relationship. It is a person who needs a shepherd. In December, as part of you know, Christmas holidays, we were in Port Macquarie, and one of my heads, uh, one of my kids, sorry, overheard a conversation amongst this group of bogan men. And my child, I won't reveal which one, they had all sorts of stereotypes and judgment running through their mind. I mean, here's this group of, of guys, and they fit all the kind of stereotype of what that term, you know, bogan means. But then they heard one of the guys ask one of the others about his family. And, and on getting a positive response, he, he responded himself to, to say, well, that's all you can ask for, hey. I mean, that's, that's the main thing. That's, that's the thing that's really important, isn't it? That your family's doing well. And in that moment and after it, as they recounted the story to the rest of us, there was, the, there was this realization that for all that the outsides look different, they are full and real people with stories to their lives just like us. And just as Jesus did, we need to see. We need to see that. And when we do, to then feel the compassion of Christ, which will prompt us to you know, find ourselves doing the crazy things that will leave people asking, why would they do that? Church, let's pray. And God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that he saw and he had compassion that prompted him to act. God, ultimately, that's why we're even, why we're even sitting here. Because Jesus looked on us. 
And he saw people who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw people who were broken and in need and lost and far away and stuck and messed up and, and all of that. He saw that in us. And he acted because he loved. And so he died on a cross to bear our sins, to, to make all things new within us as he brought his kingdom to bear in our lives and made us a new creation. He saw us and he loved us and he acted. <laughs> Why would he do that? And so we thank you for his love and his grace. And to then God, the model of Jesus held before us we recognize, and maybe I need to stop generalizing this to everyone, I recognize my absolute need to repent of the ways in which I am not like Jesus, in the ways in which I refuse to see, and instead just have a superficial surface view of people that rather than moving me towards compassion actually moves me away from them and, and to distance myself. God, I'm sorry. confronted with it, realize just how horrible that is. And so God, I want to repent from that. We need to repent from that. And by the spirit of Jesus that is living in us, help us, God, to become more like him. Help us to have his eyes that see the people behind whatever the externals are. Help us to have a heart like his that responds in compassion and love and care rather than in distancing and safety. And help us to have a a heart like him that would do the crazy things that would prompt people to ask, why would they do that? And for the answer to be because of Jesus, because of what he's done in our lives, because of what he wants to do for, for their lives, because of the great work that he's about in this world. May the spirit of Jesus in us help us to get on board with that wherever we are. And however it looks, we pray this in his name then. Amen.